You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Ladies and gentlemen, your attention please. Now batting for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball, the host, Al Melchior, Fan Rock Fantasy Baseball. Welcome everybody, first episode of the year, FanRack Fantasy Baseball here, I'm your host, Al Melchior, thank you so much for joining me and bringing in the baseball new year uh, today, and uh, this will be the last Saturday show for a while, uh, but this is uh, good news actually, because now uh, the show's going to go to three days a week, starting this Monday. So just right around the corner, uh, going to Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays. The show's going to air at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific, right here on Fantasy uh, Sports Radio Network. So um, looking forward to that. I'll be back on on these airwaves uh, before you know it. But lots to do today, even though somebody's got to check the pilot light on the hot stove. Because it is ice cold, still not much going on there. Still lots of big name free agents looking for homes. Uh, Marlins still, you know, trying to figure out what to do with the remnants of their team. Uh, so much to uh, still play out it's this uh, so-called hot stove offseason. I'm sure it will heat up and probably uh, with, with a bang when it does, because there's still a lot of player movement to come. Uh, there was a big six player trade in the last couple of days. I'm going to break that one down. Uh, got a little bit of Alex Cobb news, a uh, couple of pretty minor signings, but still worth looking into. So I'm going to review all of that. And uh, the first guest for 2018 is a big one. One of my favorite guests, Yahoo Sports' Chris Swick, is going to uh, join us on the show later on. Going to talk about the White Sox, who are one of the more interesting teams going into 2018. A lot of uh, interesting players, particularly young ones. Uh, that uh, have a great deal of upside, but uh, also uh, maybe uh, the floor is a little scary too. So uh, some interesting, interesting players to talk about with Chris and also talk about what he's doing to get ready for fantasy draft day and opening day uh, 2018. And I'm going to crank the position overview, uh, crank that back up. Uh, so last uh, that we covered that uh, a couple weeks back, talked about third base. Uh, this week, we're going to keep going around the horn, take a look at shortstop. And uh, this one's got definitely a different landscape than uh, the other positions that we've looked at so far. So it's got its, its own flavor. I think very different than it was a year ago when there were a lot of up and coming players in the position and uh you know maybe i I certainly i was one i wasn't alone in this i don't think but i I was one who uh went maybe a little too early in some leagues after players like jonathan vr gene segura trevor story what do we do with those players this year uh well gonna take a look at that so uh yeah lots to get to in this show today but uh the big news such as it is was the three team trade the dodgers white Sox, and royals with joaquin soria and scott alexander the big names so break that one down right after this short little intermission stick around be right back
Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com slash premium and learn more about our awesome product. Welcome back to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melkier, your host, and uh, looking forward to uh, the next segment, being joined by Chris Swick from Yahoo Sports. Got a lot to talk about with Chris. Uh, But before we get there, uh, as I mentioned, there is a six-player trade to break down, and also just over the break, uh, hopped on Twitter, which I'm prone to do during the breaks, and saw a piece uh, that was tweeted out from... uh, Paul Hoynes, uh, one of the Indians beat writers, uh, just a short piece on how the Indians are planning on moving Jason Kipnis back to second base from the outfield. That, to me, is sort of a disappointing development if it does play out that way, because I had read things earlier in the offseason that Kipnis would stay in the outfield and then Jose Ramirez would move over to second base. That would open up third base for Francisco Mejia, and they would keep the catcher tandem, tandem rather, of Roberto Perez and Jan Gomes. So I don't know if this means now that Mejia is more in play uh, a catcher. Uh, I don't know if it means that he's not going to be called up anytime early in the season. I, I'm sure that these are all details that still have to be ironed out. But at least with Kipnis in the outfield, it looked like there had been a really clear path for Mejia. So uh, if you're a Mejia fan, that's uh, something to definitely keep keep close tabs on because uh, that could really affect his value uh, for the coming year. Uh, Let's get to that trade, though. Dodgers, White Sox, and Royals teaming up. And as I said uh, before the break, the big names on the move, Joaquin Soria going from the Royals to uh, the White Sox. White Sox also picking up Luis Avalon from the Dodgers. But the Dodgers got a a good uh, reliever in their own right, Scott Alexander, who for a very, very brief time late last season was in the Royals closer mix, but was just really good despite whatever role he was used in. Uh, He's been compared by many to Zach Britton, uh, got a really good sinker. So uh, he, (laughs) I doubt it, there'd have to be an injury there to, uh, uh, to Kenley Jansen for Alexander to get any kind of saves other than, you know, maybe one or two, uh, you know, over the course of the season. But in leagues where holds count or in deeper leagues just where you need quality bullpen arms to give you good ratios, good innings, uh, Alexander uh, certainly uh, one to look at regardless of uh, what uniform he puts on. But uh, barring any further moves, he'll be wearing the Dodgers uni uh, come this spring. Dodgers also got Jake Peter from the White Sox. He's a uh, second base prospect. And uh, the Royals have not talked about their haul yet, but it's, uh, from a fancy perspective, really the least notable of the three. They get a couple of prospects, uh, starting pitcher Trevor Oaks and uh, Eric Mejia, both from the Dodgers. Mejia could be interesting. Uh, I mean, we still have to see how the Royals offseason shakes out uh, if you know they sign resign Eric Cosmer, which is possible. I, I don't see them uh, getting uh, Mike Moustakis back. So that, you know, 
I think uh, a lot of the, the positions are, are up for grabs. Certainly you've got an outfield position that's up for grabs as well with Lorenzo Cain uh, likely going elsewhere. But if Mejia can uh, you know, find some playing time, he could, uh, he could be a stolen base uh, source to look at. It would certainly be in deeper leagues. But uh, of the two, Mejia is the one that you may have a reason to track the season. Oaks, uh, also good ground ball pitcher. Maybe he works his way into that uh, Royals rotation. There certainly would be room, but I would not expect that until some point during the, the 2018 season at the very earliest for uh, for Trevor Oaks. So some other uh, moves or non-moves, we'll start with a non-move uh, from the past few days. Alex Cobb rejected a three-year offer from the Cubs, according to NBC Sports Chicago. That deal, the offer was worth $42 million. So uh, we'll see. We'll see where Alex Cobb winds up. I have to say that that's, from a fantasy perspective, that's also a disappointing move because I think Cobb is going to have to be with a good team to have value this year. And yeah, you can look at last season. He won 12 games, had a 3.66 ERA for the Rays. But um, I, I'm probably more skeptical about Alex Cobb coming even close to his 2017 performance in 2018 than I am for just about any other pitcher. He had the third highest contact rate among qualifiers in the major leagues. Only Andrew Kashner, who, if you listen to the show, you know, I actually kind of like Andrew Kashner, but I'll, I'll explain that there's an important difference between Kashner and Cobb. But only Kashner and Ty Block allowed contact at a higher rate among qualifiers last season. Now, when I've talked about Kashner, and here I am doing it again, I've talked about the fact that even though he allowed a lot of contact, so much of that contact was soft. Uh, a lot of it was was airborne contact that was soft, made for for easy outs, and that helped him help you with. It's like Jerry Maguire there. He helped. He helped. Uh, or that helped him help you <laughs> uh, with ERA. If you had Kashner last year, obviously didn't help you in strikeouts. But uh, Cobb, on the other hand, while Kashner allowed a lot of soft contact, only four qualifiers allowed hard contact at a higher rate than Alex Cobb did last year. So he's going to have to reverse one of those trends, either get the strikeout rate back up to closer to where it was um, a few years back, or he's got to go the Kashner route and find ways to induce more soft contact. Otherwise, I think you're going to see that ERA go up probably by about a run or so, unless he finds uh, a, a team that's got a really good defense. Again, Cubs would help a lot there. Good defense, good ballpark probably less important than the defense with Cobb because he's not a, a big fly ball guy. But uh, the landing spot for him is going to matter quite a bit more so than for most of the free agent pitchers. So that is one to watch, but apparently at least for now, not going to the Cubs, some reliever signings, uh, Boone Logan going to the Brewers for 1.875 million for one year that courtesy of MLB.com. And then a few news items courtesy of uh, FanRag Sports' John Heyman. The Padres have re-signed Craig Stammen for two years worth $4.5 million, spread out evenly over 2018 and 2019. He had a, a nice, pretty typical Craig Stammen season in 2017 with a 314 ERA, a 120 whip, 74 strikeouts, which is not bad at all for a reliever. And that's really where 
he's going to have to give you values, strikeouts and ERA. But he's not a big K per nine guy. He just pitches a lot of innings. 80 and a third innings last season. He's had several seasons of being in that vicinity. So he's been kind of a middle relief, long relief guy over his career, Stam. And not great whips, although I think he could have it in him to do a little bit better in whip. But uh, again, somebody who could help you with ERA and perhaps strikeouts just by virtue of the volume of innings that he can give you. But we're talking deep league. And the Padres also have an agreement to sign Kazuhisa Makita. This also according to John Heyman. And this has been all over Twitter uh, this morning. Uh, not only because of the signing itself, but there's lots of cool video of Makita because he's got a great uh, sidearm delivery that, as many have already pointed out, very reminiscent of Chad Bradford. So uh, be a fun guy to watch. And based on his Japanese stats, uh, should put up some good numbers, although probably not a lot of strikeouts. But maybe he does get involved in that late inning mix in San Diego. And if Brad Hand gets traded, as uh, has been rumored for months and months, going back to the middle of last season, uh, then that's probably wide open there in San Diego. And maybe Makita takes sort of an Alex Claudio type route uh, where he could get saves without a whole lot of strikeouts. But uh, again, way premature there. And that signing, uh, as I've seen, is not even finalized yet. But uh, a bullpen arm to uh, pay attention to there. And Kazuhisa Makita. And two more items. Uh, the Red Sox and Stephen Wright avoided arbitration with a $1.1 million deal for 2018. This also according to John Heyman. Uh, Wright, however, still may face discipline for a domestic assault charge uh, that was uh, issued uh I think a couple months back. I don't have the exact date on that, uh, but still, that's still a possibility. And according to Masson.com, Chance Cisco, who's one of the prospects that's seeing a, a little bit of play in some early mocks that I've done, he may not start the year with the Orioles, as has been widely assumed. Uh, they could leave spring training with Caleb Joseph and a different prospect, Austin Wins, one who's... Uh, reportedly uh, more um, advanced defensively and uh, Cisco could, you know, have more time in the minors to develop that part of his game. And uh, that'd be interesting too, for Caleb Joseph. He had a, a very, I think unnoticed bounce back season last year offensively. So I know there's a lot of catchers that can hit for power that don't necessarily help you with average Joseph with enough playing time could uh, be one of those players. So, that too, particularly for those of you in deeper leagues or even two catcher leagues, that Orioles catcher situation, which was one that, again, was sort of widely assumed to be settled, maybe not so much. Anyhow, on that note, going to head back to break. But when we come back on the other side, Chris Swick will be here. So you want to stick around for that? I'll be right back. Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. 
The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fantasy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Everybody, this is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host, and joining me as promised for this segment uh, over from the Big League Stew at uh, Yahoo Sports. I think I just added an article in there. Big League Stew, uh, one of the people stirring it up uh, over there at uh, Yahoo Sports, Chris Swick. Chris, thanks so much for joining me. Al, it's always a pleasure to talk to you. Well, Chris, you were uh, telling me offline uh, that you've, you've just really started with your your uh, draft prep for the, the coming year. So, well, first of all, what uh, what sort of league or leagues uh, are, are you in for this year? Uh, yeah, my league, I would say, uh, I mean, we, we play in CBS, um, so it's kind of the standard setting there. Um, there are a couple interesting tweaks. I think, uh, you know, quality starts and wins are are worth a lot um, because I can't convince my my league mates to, to change that. And um, but, but yeah, I think most of the other stuff is pretty standard. You know, you lose a point for strikeouts it, for hitters, you gain for for pitchers, you get points for innings pitch. So fairly standard overall. Okay, so yeah, the mostly uh, default points league uh, setting there, uh, and, and I assume head to head. No, actually, so it's total oh. points. Uh, oh. you know, I, don't, I don't know how much. Yeah, I don't know how much that changes how I, how I prep. It's one of the things I definitely think about every year. Um, I think about it with football as well. But I guess I don't – yeah, it, that doesn't alter much of my preparation. But maybe it should. I, don't, I mean, you can certainly tell me if I should be altering things. Uh, I don't think so. I mean, I think that the value is pretty much the same. I mean, some people put a lot of a lot of stock into, you know, avoiding players that are streaky in a head to head format. Um, I've never really subscribed to that. Um, you know, I suppose I, I do, maybe you do plan on doing a little less streaming, uh, based on matchups, but, uh, I don't know. I mean, it's still relevant. It's still going to add to your point total. So, um, I'm not sure that that even really makes a lot of sense. I don't think there's, I don't know. I, I think there are people who might say that that should impact your strategy, but I, I think for me it wouldn't much. So yeah, for for, for whatever that that's worth. So um, what <laughs> sorts of things are you? What sorts of things are you emphasizing as you get ready for this year? And I, you know, I've sort of had a theme the last couple of weeks. I had a whole New Year's resolution theme that I can you know milk beyond recognition uh, <laughs> uh, this week yeah. and beyond. But uh, you know, g- taking a look at last year and seeing what you might want to do differently this year. Is there anything like that that's uh, a part or going to be a part of your prep? Yeah, I think. Two major things have, have stood out to me uh, thus far. Um, you know, the, the first is I am uh, I'll go total conspiracy theorist on you with the ball last year. Um, I think there was at least an altered ball that kind of led to that home run surge, and so I guess I'm just a little more sensitive to some of the guys we saw break out last year. 
Um, I have no idea if Major League Baseball will consider, you know, like going back to the old ball or using this ball. Um, but it does give me some pause with maybe a guy like uh, Yonder Alonso, who suddenly broke out and hit a ton of home runs. I don't know. I guess if when I'm doing my season rankings, I'll probably knock him down a spot or two just because I know that there's the chance that, um, you know, maybe that helps drive some of his success. So that would be the main thing. And unfortunately, we're not going to really have an answer until we're probably in like May. So right. um, I, I don't want to like tell people they should totally do this. It's just something I've been thinking of. And then I would say the other thing is, um, you, you know me, I, I started at Fangraph, so I can definitely, you know, jump out and, and start citing WOBA and WRC plus and all those fun sabermetric stats. But I think that has to get capped to a limit in fantasy because you're, you're not focusing on that stuff. So like I said, in our league, quality sets is worth a lot of points. So I, I love pitching strikeouts. It's like, that's my thing. That's been my thing. And I think the, the issue that I found myself in is um, having Danny Salazar is great when he's got five strikeouts in two innings, but when he's getting pulled after four and two-thirds and not getting a quality start, that's a problem. So mm-hmm. I guess I'm starting to realize there's, there's value in some of these veterans who um, maybe aren't as sexy of picks or names later in the draft, but who you know will grind through starts and get you six or seven sometimes. Uh, that's an excellent point for uh, any sort of points format, whether it's head-to-head or, or total points. Um, yeah, people, I've seen it time and again, uh, will overrate uh, strikeouts in that, that format. Um, and I'm going to have uh, Greg Jewett from FanRag on uh, later on in, in the week. But uh, one thing we've already agreed we're going to talk about is certain pitchers that in any format uh, get a little bit overrated because of strikeouts and, and to just throw a spoiler out there. Uh, Denelson Lamette is, is one of them that we're probably going to talk about. So that'd be an example of a guy that I would definitely knock down a bunch uh, in my, my points league rankings um, because he, he's probably not going to go deep into games. Doesn't have great control prone to the long ball. So uh, plus the Padres are starting to build a, a nice pen too. So, you know, that's another mm-hmm. trend. Not too many pitchers that do go deep. Are there any in particular uh, that you're thinking of that might be undervalued by some of your league mates uh, until you say it on radio and, you know, maybe not anymore, but. Uh, under Undervalued? Yeah, yeah, starting pitchers that uh, will yeah, give you so, innings. I mean, I have to say, I, like, I find Jeff Samarja to be not exciting at all. <laughs> but he, <laughs> he will give you innings, and so I, I kind of think if you're playing in, like, a weekly format where, um, you have to set your lineup and then forget it. Um, you know, Samarja, as long as even in like maybe one bad matchup, you could probably rely on him to still give you five as opposed to, I think in the past, you know, like I've thrown out uh, maybe like a Carlos Rodon in a tough spot because he has two starts that week. And he's the type of guy who can just completely blow up on you and go an inning in the third and give up six. So, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I, it's more in that vein. Like I, I would say, um, in previous years, like John Lackey would have probably fit that bill. I, I'm obviously I'm not going after him this year, but um, yeah, it, it's it's more in line uh, with with some of those guys. So unfortunately, I'm struggling to come up with a ton of names. But 
I, I think that's kind of what you're looking at. Veterans where you're probably not going to feel great when you draft them at the time, but ideally you're getting close to 200 innings out of them at the end of the year. Yeah, I'll toss one name out there to add. And it's hard. It's hard to think of these guys on the spot for sure. Um, but uh, Julio Tehran in the mocks that I've done is getting totally ignored. And it's understandable why. And I avoided him last year. But, uh, you know, I've read some things about, um, particularly related to his VORP, that give us uh, some reason to have a more hopeful outlook. And I think he could be uh, the sort of pitcher that could give you six or seven innings consistently and isn't going to blow you away with strikeouts. But particularly for the type of format that you're playing, I think he could have some value. You know, Ir- Irvin Santana is another guy who always strikes yep. me as like available in the 14th round. Um, and you just kind of know that you're going to, you're not going to get like the, the blow up 30 point game, but on certain weeks that the innings matter and him just being average is, is better than taking a risk on a much younger guy. I mean, I love to go like, um, prospect heavy or guys who have, you know, pitched maybe 30 innings the previous year. Um, that's obviously not always dependable. Those guys, if they get off to bad starts, they can get sent down for a while. Um, and they, you know, we also don't know how deep they can go into games. So, yeah, I think that's, that's where, like, the Irvin Santanas really have value for you. Yeah. Well, you know, this is great because I, I sort of pride myself on being, you know, in this show, being the place where people can go to to find pitchers that uh, don't get a lot of strikeouts who, who might be able to help you. So, <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's a weird niche, but uh, I try to fill it as best as I can. Um, we'll come back to pitching, but I, I do want to uh, talk to you about the White Sox because there's, there's so many players that I'm really curious about for this coming year. Uh, and we'll get to the starters a, a little bit later, but since I've already talked a bit about this three-team trade that the White Sox were involved with, uh, this is definitely, I think, going to shake up the closer situation there. They got Joaquin Soria, who's probably the biggest name of the six players involved in that deal. Um, do you think uh, Soria will be the closer for the White Sox? Do you think he should be, or you think uh, somebody else might come to the fore there? Yeah, I get the sense that they would probably want Nate Jones to take that over, and I think Nick Jones is a fantastic pitcher. I think at this point he's a better pitcher than Soria. The concern there is injuries. If if anyone who's ever seen him pitch knows um, that that is a strange windup and um, and strange mechanics, so he's kind of prone to those issues. So that that's the one thing that makes me think. Well, maybe Soria will sneak in a couple saves here and there because I don't know how dependable Jones is. Um, but with that said, I mean, neither guy really had uh, the big save numbers. So I think if I'm betting on the talent, I think it's an eight Jones all the way. Um, that's obviously something, I mean, like that's one of the, I would say one of the few things I'll really be paying attention to in spring training because uh, job opportunity, I think that's like, that's the, the main thing I look for. So that will really determine if I'm going to draft either guy. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's, yeah. I mean, and that's just good advice. I think for a lot of situations um, that, uh, you know, there's, there's fluidity during spring training, there's fluidity, fluidity after opening day. I think this could be a situation where there's fluidity after opening day. So Soria had yeah. 
sort of a, a low-key um, bounce-back season last last year. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't cut him out, but Nate Jones would make a whole lot of sense. And like you said, if he's in top form, uh, he's going to be hard to unseat. But uh, anyways, well, Chris, uh, uh, could ask you to stay on another segment with us if you can, because we got so sure, much more yeah. to get to. That is awesome. Okay, well, thanks a lot, Chris. We'll stick around. Much, much more White Sox talk to come right after this break. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Welcome back, everybody. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host for the show. And we get bonus Chris Wick. Chris Wick from uh, Yahoo Sports, Big League Stew. He has agreed to stay with us for another segment because uh, I spent a lot of time in the first segment, or the last segment, rather, uh, picking his brain about some draft prep stuff. But we got a lot of White Sox talk to get to, Chris. So uh, you ready to, to forge on? Let's do it. All right, let's, let's. So, um, like I said, there's uh, earlier in the show, lots of young players that I'm still very much on the fence about. Uh, probably none more than Yohan Moncada. And I've seen him compared frequently, and, and it's, you know, there are obvious reasons for it, compared with Javier Baez, um, uh-huh. you know, that both have, well, first of all, both playing in Chicago, you know, both can uh, play second and third. Um both not necessarily uh, the, the greatest contact makers in all of baseball, but a big difference is that Moncada is a lot more selective than Baez. Um, do you think that Moncada could get to Baez's level as soon as this season? Because if he does, then that, that really puts him in play for, for a 12-team league. Yeah, I think he can. And the main thing that, that stuck out to me, just kind of looking at a comparison, was uh, – like you said, the selectivity, I think, you know, that gives you an idea of his recognition of pitches, Moncada's recognition of pitches, um, his ability to, you know, figure out and and work the strike zone. So I I do think that's important. I I think strikeouts are definitely a big issue for both guys. And the thing that makes me a little more optimistic on Moncada uh, is partially the fact that um, we've seen Baez for a while now. We know that um, the strikeout rate is probably not dropping much more than this. With Moncada, I think you're hoping for uh, something like you saw with maybe Chris Bryant, where I think his first taste of the majors, his strikeout rate was over 30. Um, he steadily dropped that past two seasons and gotten it under control. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if Moncada's going to get there. I, I know that he has the the talent where you would expect some type of improvement. So I think that's a little more possible with him. Whereas with, with Baez, I think, you know what you're getting at this point. Yeah. 
No, I think that's very fair. And that a year ago, I was, certainly wasn't saying that about Paez. But I think now with that year, and, and you know, and, and a year with more playing time too under his belt, yeah, yeah, I have a pretty good idea. Maybe there isn't like you were talking about the strikeout rate went back up a little bit last year, so maybe this can really be a consolidation season for Paez, where strikes out a little bit less. Um, you know, continues to have that nice power speed combination. Uh, but but you know. That's kind of a marginal change, whereas with Moncada, it just seems like the range of possibilities is so great with him, and I just have real worries about him hitting for average. But like you said, he's young. You can project that improvement this year. I'm just, I'm not sure um, that I'm gonna, you know, be t- be taking the risk on that uh, on draft day in a, in a 12 team league. But um, you know, it's, it's, he certainly could get to the bias level. I think that I would think that's the upside. Uh, now, how about uh, Tim Anderson? He struggled for a lot of last season, but uh, he also had tragedy, a personal tragedy in his life, uh, lost a, a good friend. And uh, later on in the season, he really turned it around, hit 293 uh, with eight homers, 13 doubles, and three triples, and also stole nine out of uh, nine bases out of 10 attempts. And that's been something that's been a little bit lacking for Anderson after some you know really nice minor league numbers is not big time stolen base numbers, but you know, with with those numbers, I mean, he could be like a twenty five twenty five player if you extrapolate that over a whole season. Um, I don't know that I expect that, but what what do you expect from Tim Anderson this year? Yeah, I, I have a hard time with with that breakout at the end of the month, mainly because um, he just doesn't walk. Like his no. his plate discipline numbers were, I think, even worse when when he uh, was surging in that second half. My, you know, my thing with him is he strikes me as just like I'm trying to think of a good comparison, but maybe almost like a Starling Castro um, in that. He's going to be highly dependent on batting average. So I, I think it's possible that in the future he puts up a season or two where the batting average is in the 290s and he probably does enough everywhere else to be a valuable uh, real-life and fantasy asset. But I worry that he's also the type of guy who, like, <laughs> in April will hit 320 um, and you'll – you'll get overexcited and everyone will be picking him up and thinking he's the breakout star. And then his on-base percentage will be like 325. And so yeah. all the same signs will be there, I think. Um, he's just such an extreme hacker at the plate that I have a really hard time thinking that's something that's going to turn around. And guys with walk rates that low, they, they just scare me off. I mean, maybe that's a personal thing, but that, that scares me off. Yeah, no, it worries me too. Uh, absolutely, it would, I think it would make him, you know, more vulnerable if he gets into a slump. And uh, it's certainly, you know, the, the on-base percentage is not going to be very good no matter what, and that's going to affect his his run scoring. So there's a number of reasons to be be concerned about that. And yet, you you mentioned during those last two months when everything looked great. Uh, I'm doing this by memory, but I think I've got this right. Uh, I think he had 62 strikeouts and three walks. <laughs> so yeah. that's uh, just uh, crazy. Uh, but, uh, you know, whereas Mokata and Anderson, I mean, I think they're somewhat polarizing because you know, we haven't seen that much of them. And we don't know what to project for them. Obviously, Al Garcia has been around a little longer, but mm-hmm. I'm not sure there's a more polarizing hitter 
<laughs> in fantasy. People love him or hate him. And I've always been a, a pretty big detractor. And he made that a little bit more difficult in a way last year. But then in a way, you know, there, there are genuinely high expectations that can be uh, <laughs> you know, that can be rained upon. So, uh, you know, what, what sort of Avisile Garcia owner are you? I I just can't see myself having him this year. I, um, you know, even I think if you try and get past the the, the previous seasons where he's been, I mean, honestly, like among one of the worst regular starters, um, I think you can look at a lot of what he did last year and poke holes in it. Um, you know, his his batting average on balls in play was near 400. Um, that's certainly not going to stay there. And and I think if you if you adjust for that and you maybe knock him down to, I don't know, 280 or something like that, I don't know that he does enough everywhere else to be a, a star caliber player, um, you know, on, on both ends in, in, in real life and in fantasy because he's not a big walker. Uh, he's not a, a big power guy for for corner outfield. And, um, you know, to I brought up the conspiracy theory with the balls in the earlier segment, but if if the balls do go back, um, he's one of the guys I'm really worried about because over his career, he never showed um, really strong power. Even last year, he only hit 18. So, yeah, I, I'm, I'm very skeptical with him. I think, obviously, he's worth drafting. Um, he's probably not going to be on any of my teams, though. Yeah, well, I, I'm with you on that. And actually, what you just said in terms of, you know, hit it could hit 280, but not going to give you enough elsewhere. I mean, I, I could just put that on, on uh, you know, shuffle uh, all day long. So uh, <laughs> I think that's uh, a good, uh, you know, a, a good take on him. Uh, now, here's somebody I'm going to have to exercise some real discipline, I think. Nikki Delmonico. Uh, I, w- I picked him up in some deeper leagues last year. I was really psyched. And then he exceeded... My expectations are everybody's expectations. Uh, I, I don't think there's a reason to think that he can repeat what he did late last season. But uh, can, can you talk me into it? Because I, for some reason, I really want to own this guy. Well, so here's the thing. Looking at his numbers, I, I can't pick out a ton that that discourages me, uh, which I'm, I'm shocked because he kind of flies in the face of, of everything I look for in an up-and-coming guy. Um, you know, to, to use the term prospect with him is disingenuous because he was 24 last season. Um, if, if, if he's an elite prospect, you expect him to be up two years earlier. So that, that's the thing that gives me pause. I, I always kind of hesitate when guys aren't considered top 100 prospects or anywhere close, and he certainly fits that category. And yet uh, the walk rate was exceptional. The strikeout rate was manageable to me. Uh, he wasn't a guy who, like Garcia, excelled because of his batting average on balls and play. I, the one thing where maybe I expect regression is just the home run rate, but mm. over the full course of the season, it, it might still wind up being, um, you know, 12 or 15 or something. And, it, yeah, I, I can't totally talk you out of it. I, I definitely see <laughs> the appeal. I, I You know, I don't know that he's a guy I'm, I'm going to want to target even late, but I, I would certainly keep tabs on him if he gets off to a really good start. Yeah. All right. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Uh, well, we've got a little less than two minutes left. I'd hope to leave much more time to talk, talk about uh, pitchers, <laughs> but it is what it is, Chris. So uh, I'll, I'll just try to boil it down here. Uh, four young starters who you know, all have some intrigue. Um, 
Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, Carson Fulmer, and Michael Kopech. Three of them saw some time last year. Kopech, I would think maybe this year. Out of the four, um, which ones are you excited about for fantasy? Uh, I'm probably most excited. Well, I'm excited about yeah, that's a tough question. I'm excited about Kopech because we haven't seen him yet. I think with Giolito and Lopez, we've seen some flashes, but there's still some stuff both have to work on. Um, Giolito did walked kind of a, a tight line uh, where he didn't strike out a ton of guys. He gave up a lot of home runs. Um, you know, Lopez, I expected his numbers to be better just based on kind of what you heard out of Chicago. And he's a guy who people were a little iffy on uh, sticking long-term in the rotation. So, um, I still kind of like him as, as a deep play. Uh, Fuller's the guy I, I'm not excited about, so I guess we can kind of toss him out. I know he had three nice starts at the end of the year, but yeah. uh, I think he fits more in the bullpen, and he'd be the first guy to get replaced for, for me in that rotation for Kopech or someone else. All right. Well, great way to wrap it up, Chris. So thank you for spending two segments with us uh, today, and uh, best of luck to you. And, folks, so make sure you check out his work on uh, Yahoo Sports. Chris Swick, thank you very much. Thanks a lot, Al. Love talking to you. All right. Likewise, Chris. Take care. All right, folks. Well, got uh, a segment to go here. Going to have a little bit of shortstop talk. And uh, I will reveal a really bad poll. Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back. This is FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm Al Melchior, your host. And one more time, I'd like to thank Chris Swick from Yahoo Sports uh, for joining us for uh, about half the show today. And, and well worth it. Love having Chris on. I'm sure we'll have him back on again uh, later on in the season or maybe even the uh, preseason. But uh, got a few minutes to talk about shortstop. And uh, like I said earlier on in the show, it's it's a definitely a different landscape than some of the other positions. And, and that's you know, maybe a nice way of putting it. It's not very deep. <laughs> and a year ago, uh, I remember talking about how, oh, shortstop's gotten so much deeper. And there's all these, you know, breakout guys who are going to, you know, be at or near the top for years to come. And a lot of flameouts in 2017. Uh, Jonathan Villar, Trevor Story, um, Gene Segura wasn't quite as, as productive as many of us had hoped. Uh, I'm sure there are others that I'm, I'm leaving out, but those are certainly the, the big ones to come to mind. Uh, we did see the emergence of uh, Elvis Andrus this year. But, uh, you know, basically there's a big four. Trey Turner, I think consensus number one. Certainly my number one. I think, think there's a consensus on that. And then... I think Carlos Correa probably consensus number two, but uh, certainly very close between him and Francisco Lindor for me. And I think that there's going to be some disagreement, but for me, there is some separation between Turner Correa and Lindor and then Corey Seager. But uh, I think you got to include him in your, your first tier, but I did a poll, a very ill-conceived poll that probably doesn't mean a lot because of the way I worded this. So I apologize, but thank the, those who voted. Uh, uh, what I asked was which player would you put at the back end of your first tier of shortstops? And I just wrote that assuming 
that people would understand that not everybody in the question is necessarily in the first tier. That was a bad assumption on my part to make. So I had Elvis Andrews, Francisco Lindor, and Corey Seager. Uh, Andrews won, but I had several people reply, well, I, I don't include Andrews in my first tier. Well, I don't either, but I think some people will and some people don't. So probably that should have been a separate question. Is Elvis Andrews in your first tier? Um, so unfortunately, kind of think I need to throw out the results of this because I wasn't very clear in, in what I was asking. Um, but it was literally which one of these three would be the, you know, basically the fallback guy if you were looking to get a first tier shortstop, you know, who, who's the one that you're holding out for um, before you move on to the next tier. And I wouldn't include Andrews in that group. Now, what is interesting is that Lindor and Seager, Sieg Seagor, that's a, uh, that's a, that's a mashup there with Lindor and Seager, uh, Lindor and Seager <laughs> were neck and neck. Lindor got 32%. Seager got 30%. So that may uh, support my notion that uh, there is some contention about which one is more valuable, which one should be drafted earlier. For me, there's no question it should be Lindor over Seager. Uh, and yet he got more votes in terms of which one would you put at the back of your first tier of shortstops. So even though it's a flawed question, that might be kind of an interesting finding. And then... You know, there's there's uh, another tier beyond that and kind of everybody else. So uh, I would put Trevor Story in a tier just behind Andrews, who's kind of in a group by himself, sort of a second tier by himself. Gene Segura and, and Xander Bogarts, who's kind of now the forgotten person at the position. Uh, but then there's just a lot. There's not really good fallbacks at shortstop of all the positions that we talked about. Catcher is really the only other one. And I would argue there's probably more interesting fallbacks at catcher than there is at shortstop. But Glaber Torres is certainly a name that stands out amongst that group um, because if he does come up early uh, and get a lot of playing time, then, you know, he in a, what is a very thin position, he could really rise up the ranks and be, be very valuable. So that is a very, very quick landscape overview of shortstop. Continue on uh, future shows going around the horn. Next show is Monday. So uh, tune in for that, 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 Pacific. Thank you for listening. Uh, This has been FanRag Fantasy Baseball, and stay tuned for the producers coming up next.